you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Board. All right. Good morning, Alan. Good morning. Let me get so, my volume up a little bit because I can't hear you as. How about that? Better? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, exactly. Okay. So we got through Halloween. We got through, and I don't want to say got through. We enjoyed Halloween. We enjoyed Thanksgiving. We enjoyed Christmas and New Year's. And now it is the best time of the year. Why do you think that? Because a lot of people think this is the doldrums. They're waiting yes. for it to be like warm again and stuff like that. But okay. Here's my issue. I love the holidays. That's all we've talked about for four months. Horror movies, watching Christmas horror, Thanksgiving and eating and Chris and buying presents and New Year's. We'll talk about New Year's too. I love the holidays. And when my kids were little, I loved it and had a great time. It was just such a great part of the year. I always look forward to school starting because it was the next four months were just fantastic. And then I always got depressed in January and it just, I could barely face the new year. So I created Star Wars month. January is Star Wars month. I listen to Star Wars music. I watch the movies. I play video games. I play board games. I read books. I read comics. I engross myself in Star Wars, totally look forward to it, and it helps. <laughs> that's very funny. It's funny. I guess that's a kind of, I like introverted things. I love going out. As you, I love going to concerts and comedy shows and parties and stuff. But one of the things that I really like about having seasons, when I lived in places where there weren't seasons, it was very weird to be out in California for a couple of years and have yes. to be perpetually, hey, I should be outside. I should be going for a walk. I should be taking... So, I really like cabin fever type stuff. I like where, hey, I just got a bunch of books for Christmas. Let's take the time to read them instead of being, they go in the shelves and I hope I remember that I really wanted that when I got it, right. et cetera, et cetera. There, it's recharge time. And Colleen and I still get out. We, for instance, we love going for a walk. And this year we're talking about finally doing cross-country skiing. I've been snowshoeing. She has not. Just getting out. We have wonderful metro parks here in Cleveland that have places that you can do that. You can rent those things there as well as have your own, but that's getting out because the air is clear and it's brisk and stuff like that. A lot of the rest of the time, it's okay to hibernate. It's okay to get cuddly and stay in bed and read. And that kind of stuff. Right. So I never had the doldrums. I don't, I take that back. As I've gotten older, I think I have a little bit more sad seasonal affective disorder. There being less daylight during the day makes it just like when I wake up, and it's not even light out yet, I'm Logie. I'm like, oh, it sure is nice and warm in this <laughs> bed. But, yeah. but you know, especially things have changed. I'm now in my 60s. When I was in school, it was, that is, especially college, I really loved the start of the new year and the, I don't know, just being outside going to school and stuff like that. When I was in Champaign-Urbana, I used to love being there for intercession. School often didn't start up until January 15th, but I was often down there because I was helping get ready for the MBA program, or I was already working at Garcia's, or I was doing things for Plato. And it was a magical time to be there when you had this whole 
campus that's built for 35,000 students, but there's 5K of you there. Right. So you could, I used to work on Play-Doh, play games on Play-Doh. They, you could go and take a seat, any seat that you wanted, instead of being the crush of people in the zoo. You went to Zorba's or Hip Pocket for your euros, and instead of being get in line and et cetera, et cetera, and try <laughs> to hope that by the time you get your sandwich, a seat is opened up, it was just you go into the union. And instead of having to worry about who else is shooting pool or playing video games or pinball, you just had the place to yourself. It was that Omega Man thing. And I kind of like that. The world was like, the, I don't know, 90% die from some plague, not COVID, of course. It would be okay to be one of the survivors and just have the place to yourself. I'm sure there's some deep psychological things there. Yet, especially that where it's not that you're just surviving in the middle of nothing. All this has already been set up. And maybe it's a little bit of the walking dead thing where I'm sure that the sheen would wear off. And after a while, you'd be like, I'm going to start scavenging. Here's hoping I find stuff that's in a working freezer in a grocery store instead of everything is now gone to hell. You know what I mean? The destroyed world is nowhere near as much fun as the, it's a working world. It just doesn't have any people in it, but me. But that's kind of a transition then to getting back into the swing of things. I think we need those transitions. And honestly, I think it was a large part just kids. Cause I don't remember feeling that way when I was in middle school, high school and that, or even college. I think it was started really with the kids. Just, it was that there's only so many Christmases, only so much time I'm going to have them as kids. And it, it started way, it's, it's over again. What do we have to look forward to now? And I think that just started. So I made Star Wars month. <laughs> and that, that's, that's an really, awesome that's time. That I remember my mom and dad are now either gone or in a capacity, but we had wonderful, like between Christmas and New Year's. That's when you'd break out the jigsaw puzzles. You'd play hearts at night. You'd play like all the bowl games were on and we'd have right. a little petting pool for as if we know who's going to be in the Astro Blue Bonnet Bowl. But we put a little pool together that says, my mom would pick, hey, who has the fancier helmets? So that kind of thing. And it was really, as I got older, I guess I was often running out to spend time with friends in high school and in college. But there was like golden years. And that's, of course, everybody gets nostalgic about various different things. It was so nice to be in the house where, hey, there's going to be great leftovers. We can just have as anytime we want. There's still all kinds of Christmas nuts and candy canes and stuff like that. And just the company of my parents where it wasn't only being purposeful, but having a chance to just I don't know, have the conversations, the end of your conversations with them. How's my relationship going? Of course, moms ask about that kind of stuff. And actually, my mom wasn't really pryy about that. It wasn't always, where are my grandkids? Yeah, but it was, it really was. And of course, not with just my parents. I have two brothers and they're both brilliant and game and fun. And so we'd go sledding on the hill. And we, I had a wonderful, I had a best friend growing up too, from like fourth grade on. And it's really cool to just be like, what do you want to do? I don't know, but I'm coming over. <laughs> and we'd like, they, he lived in a house where at Elk Grove Village at the time, he was on the edge of the village. Beyond him was prairie. Well, when you're young boys, you're like, let's go exploring the prairie. Let's see where the snow is melting. It's creating the little creeks and we'll, can we jump over the creek or are we going to get totally galoshed in, in the water and stuff like that? And I just, I miss some of those things. Someone online posted that this is a liminal space. Right. You, by that means it's a transition. There's no necessary thing that has to happen and so make use of that think about where you are in your life or don't think at all just take advantage of the fact that you've got downtime and you really can just wallow if you want go running around if you want be different or be exactly the same 
slow down. Maybe hibernation is a good thing that, that once in a while we really need to just be recharged. I don't have anything to do and I'm not going to look for something to do. So <laughs> one of the, we, Colleen and I, unfortunately, we had all kinds of um, invitations and possibilities for tickets and stuff that we actually, between Christmas and New Year's, had a lot of things going on. We went to see a concert. We went to see, uh, and this week it's much less. And so and I have things I need to get done. I need to be looking for a place for mom here in Cleveland instead of California. And so I have a whole bunch of appointments lined up, but that's an hour or two out of the day. And the rest of the time can be, hey, what did I used to do? I used to use that liminal time to end the year, do all my filing, put my comic books away into the big collection so that everything was still A to Z, go through my books and see which ones I'd already read and see which ones I would keep out. That You kind of line up the next year as you put your on-deck books and stuff like that. And I haven't necessarily applied myself in that way. So I was doing some of that here. Get the laundry done. Get ready for the next year where there's nothing looming over your head. Take the going through stuff that you acquired is like the year in review. It's nice to reacquaint yourself with, wow, I don't have to go to the library. I have my own library right here. And every year I was able to just delight. I first started to collect all different kinds of stuff because the library didn't have them. If you're a big Doc Savage fan, maybe James Bonds were in the library because those were like adult enough books. But all kinds of stuff growing up, I started to get them because they didn't carry Mad right. Magazine paperbacks and stuff. So it was always a delight to be, and especially, this is kind of, maybe this is a collector's thing. When you find a book that you bought intending to read and it just went into the stacks and you're like, oh, I, I really, I wonder. Another discovery. Book. Another discovery. Exactly. So there's a lot of that of, and the, everybody has their best and end of year best of lists. And so it's cool to say I wasn't really clued in on Barry, which is some interesting series thing on Apple TV about an assassin who also wants to be an actor and maybe even like a stand-up comedian. And, and when he says, I killed last night, you don't know which he's referring to. But and it's the fact that it's not only I don't know, to my odd taste, but it's winning awards is one of the top 10 TV shows of the year. Wow. I'm reminded of what I want to put into Colleen and my queue so that we don't miss the latest Ken Burns goodness. We don't miss the latest. Nowadays, TV is fractured. And so while I'm bopping around on Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, HBO Max, I tend to go to things I already like. Where's my next comic book movie and things like that. But it's also cool just to be aware of, I don't know, Colleen watched the the banshees of insurance insurance yeah i saw that insurance thank you insurance and i must admit i made a point of not watching it because i really thought that it would weird me out i don't like this world of i've just decided not to be your friend i or that i did something so wrong that you have to stop being friends with someone or you just say i guess trust doesn't matter i guess treating each other well doesn't matter and this is an odd reference to make but i really didn't watch schindler's list for many years because I knew it would affect me. Mm -hmm. It would be terrible to see what had been going on back then and that there really were people that were willing to step up and put themselves at risk to save some people. But there were a lot of other people that just said, yep, that's the new system. Let's kill. I just, I didn't want to know that there's that kind of crappy people in the world. And yet it's like that. We have Nazis now. We have people that are only concerned about power now and how many people are just willing to do terrible things. And so in some cases, like I get enough of that in the real world. That's not <laughs> right. my safest entertainment. Bring on Iron Man. Perfectly portrayed. There's great actors in it and stuff. So eventually I'll watch it because it's a great movie. And I really do want to say, I just, I, my, my program that I did on last Wednesday night about how do you choose the best of the best? Right. And it's 
cases, it really would be against my taste and my instincts to be like, I don't want the best depressing movie of all time. You know, I don't want the best ugly thing. And yet you have to, as a rounded cultured person to go through all of human emotion, the whole range of what people go through. Yeah. You know what the I mean? the it, Banshees, it, it's definitely one of those that when it was over, me and Colin went to the theater and saw it. We've been trying to do the Monday $5 day movies. That's at so smart. You have to place to yourself and a five bucks instead yeah. of 10, 15. Okay. And it was one of those movies, man. When it was over, we both sat there and looked at each other and said, what, what kind of just happened? It was like all overwhelmingly powerful, but we weren't even sure why and how. It was just yeah. different. We had to really let it sink in and think about it some. And I'm like, Okay, I need to go see some explosions next week. So for New Year's, speaking of movies, we watched one called New Year's Eve, which I had never seen, but it was advertised as basically, if you like Love Actually, you'll like this movie. It's got that similar premise of multiple storylines and people and things going on. They interweave. Intersecting ensemble cast. Yeah. Oh my God. Ensemble cast. There were like every scene was a cameo of somebody. It's oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It was like, dang. I've never heard of it. That's interesting. Yeah. It was one of those made for Canadian summer stock. And maybe it might've been. No, it was worthwhile. Have you heard or played the game Hive? I don't think so. No. That is one you should add to your list. I'll okay. recommend. It is basically, it's like chess in that you have different pieces and each piece has a, a very specific movement. What you're doing is you're a group of bugs trying to protect your queen bee. And so it's hexagon pieces and they move around the board. It gets formed. The pieces get connected and they okay. move around what is the hive of the connected okay. pieces trying to capture the opponent's queen. Now we've played it a couple times at the base set and it's kind of, okay, base set is okay, but not the best. So I ordered three extra pieces that they put out like DLC mm. and it, it changes. It's okay. No longer can you win with that one strategy because these pieces changed it. So it's a good, if you like chess, you'll probably like this. It's a twist. And I do. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And that was I'm New really Year's good. for me. <laughs> okay. That's, we had a nice quiet New Year's. We went out to Aladdin's, which is one of our favorite local places. Yes. And then we went to the, the not I thought it was CSO, but instead it was the Cleveland Pops Orchestra, which is a smaller version of the full CSO. But they played the music of James Bond. And they had two guest vocalists, so they could pull off the Shirley Bassey and the, let's see, Tom Jones. They had, there's various different songs that are quite famous from James Bond movies. Nobody does. Simon LeBond. A Simon <laughs> LeBond, exactly. And Duran did one. And it was really good. The odd thing about it, it wasn't only the music of James Bond. They threw in some things, maybe because the vocalist, it was like what they like to sing in their range or their favorites. So we heard some Frank Sinatra and we heard, and those were actually the weaker pieces. Kind of like when you take a pop song, but you orchestrate it up, it doesn't necessarily make it better. You know what I mean? But the music of James Bond was very powerful. They had the medley, the overture. They had various cool things. Everybody, they had hats and hooters for everybody. And so... They had a, nice. a thing they called Foyer Fest where everybody gets to in in concert hoot together and stuff like that with the concert master leading everybody with it. and so really fun. They had a, a section where you could then they had both the main and the smaller lobby set up with a live band and open bar, a cash wow. bar, I should say. But I don't know, we just don't like the crush with people anymore. You right. know what I mean? And we're not big drinkers. And so we walked through those places and we kept thinking, are we happy here? Are we comfortable? Are we going to do a little dancing? And we both just said, what we do is we want to go home. We're done. We saw our thing. So we got home in time to watch the ball drop 
And this was, we went on to our, we have a Roku box and they had a whole Christmas, New Year's Eve spectacular. And they had multiple choices. We biggest one that seemed to feature the ball drop was Fox News, but it was terrible. It was all choppy. Things kept repeating itself, like whatever they had done to capture it and then show it, but try to do it in real time, but eliminating somebody in the crowd swearing or whatever else it might be. It just made it, it, like I said, it wasn't only choppy. It was that it would do a six second segment as if I was suddenly on TikTok or Instagram or something (laughs) like that, and then go into a fuller length version. And so instead of watching the ball drop over the course of that last minute, it was just all up. Like an action movie. We got it really. (laughs) Too, mon- too many quick cuts. Too New much- Year's by TikTok, sponsored no, by your so favorite social still- media. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny, we usually, we, almost all the time in the past, we've, I have a whole bunch of stuff on our piano downstairs, which has become our liquor cabinet based on things we found at pretentious drinking. And this year, we both just like, I, I don't know that I care. I don't, we don't have any champagne in the house and I don't need to have a shot of Benetine and brandy. So we had like, Tea and a soda pop or something clink those plasticky and ceramic glasses and just cuddle on the couch and watch that as well as watch like another episode of castle that happened to be around the holidays and i don't know that's just what happens right you get to be 63 and you're like i'm okay to not be elbow to elbow with people i'm okay to not have the exhilaration of the ball hits and everybody just whoo we had our joy and then we came home and had our, our calmness as well and we still stayed nice. up a little bit later we didn't go to bed at 1202 but it wasn't having to create that level of like manic fun i guess we're past that now or something right. yeah. anyway I, well, I think it's mostly the crowd thing it's, it I, isn't i don't like i don't like the i agree we were worried when we're driving home it's like we saw any number of people on the road that were not staying in their lane and we gave them a wide berth yeah and that's all the biggest worry is that it's an amateur night. So same as St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. There's all kinds of people that they've been drinking since six in the morning and now they're out driving their weapon home. We were very careful about getting home because it's all the way across town to get to Severance Hall from where we live. But, yeah, I didn't do a lot of driving, but I've been pretty good for the New Year so far. I didn't really make resolutions. I just had some things I wanted to do more of and change. So yeah. I've been writing every day. I've been working on some of my programming projects got most of the decorations down and I'm organizing them and labeling things really well. I've played piano and drums and guitar almost every day, which I said I wanted to do more of. Exactly. Getting back into music. I don't have any place to do that here. I have a, my, my Casio big CZ one keyboard that is like buried. I don't have even the ability to hook up a monitor to it and have electricity to it. And I miss it terribly, but not enough to have said, then let's clear a dedicated space. And I just, yeah. our house doesn't allow for a studio until I get my act together and clear a lot of my clutter out. So. I got for Christmas, I don't know if I mentioned those pocket drums. So it's just yeah. a pair of drumsticks. And you can play that anywhere there's a system. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. So yeah, music is such an, I, my musical new year was I listened to Kansas. Not I, I, I saw that. First six Kansas albums in order. Wow. And they, honestly, they're like 50 years old. They started in 74. And yet, man, do they hold up their complex. And Steve Walsh and Robbie Steinhardt was one of those groups that actually had two lead vocalists. And yet they really were great at what kind of song is this? And do we want to have the rougher bluesy or the soaring operatic? Or And they wrote great songs of multiple different topics and lengths. Not a lot of love songs. It was more like deeper stuff than that. So all the things that I loved about them when I first discovered them, 
they're still all there as well as they're one of those groups that has a difficult history. They had multiple breakups and regatherings because of a couple of members of the band went really Christian and they wanted to make Christian rock. And that's, wow, that's taking us off the charts. And so they had to do some shuffling as to what, anyway, it was a delight to go back to that and just hear songs that I've loved for a long time. Song for America is just an unbelievably good song. And I remember the first time I ever saw them was at a place called the Randhurst Ice Arena. Had a good name, Paul Garibaldi, who had, he was good about finding new music. And especially we had similar enough taste so that I would turn him on to Michael Oldfield and he would give me Rush or Kansas or whatever. We went to a place where it was one of those, they were finding new venues in Chicago because they had filled all the regular ones, but there was a huge surge in the mid seventies. They start off with a scrim all the way around the stage. And I think that it was in the round, but it might've just been like three quarters around and they have lights from the inside. So it's opaque. And yet they would then lower the lights and you could see movement back there. And they do like little spotlights where there was activity and there was music starting to play like them tuning up, but also breaking into songs and then backing off and going all the way into it. So it was just for a young band, this was after their first three albums left Overture was not even out yet. It was phenomenal stage presence and phenomenal buildup. And then they dropped the scrim all at once and they go into song for America. And it just was like, and there was nobody there because Left Overture was not out yet. That was their big breakthrough right, album. Breakthrough, yeah. Everybody yeah. that was there was a total fan. And everybody just wet themselves with how fucking cool it was. And then two hours of great Kansas music. And everybody just like, it was one of the best concerts I've ever seen nice. in a, an ice arena, in a weird uh, venue for that, you know? Def Leppard does something very similar. They they have in the round, they do have in the round, they have a curtain up. Yep. One of my favorites was Rush, though. They actually got a South Park and they had Cartman. Uh, an I think it's from an episode where Cartman wanted to be okay. in Rush and they're playing Rush songs and uh, counts off, he goes, and one, and two, and three, and four, and then Everything, the lights come up, the curtains drop, and you hear that low E from Tom Sawyer. Boom! Yes. And they go right into it. So that was an that yes. was a pretty awesome opening. <laughs> I love I I've seen we both, I'm sure, have seen so many concerts by now. And when you really see oh, speaking of Cartman, he has like the thing where he has to sing the whole version of Come Sail Away whenever somebody starts yes, it up. Yes. I remember seeing sticks where they played like an hour and ten minutes. They totally phoned it in. It was the most prefabricated wow. nothing. Maybe they already weren't getting along. Maybe somebody was sick with the flu and they had to get off the stage. But that was one of those where while it's going on, it's okay. And then the show just ends so abruptly and everybody in the audience is going, aren't they coming back? Like, how did, how is it already now ending? Is this intermission? Is it? And then right. they come back <laughs> for an encore. It's like that. So we've had Moody Blues. I saw two different times, one of which same thing. After maybe, let's see, maybe after Seventh Sojourn or something, they really seemed to be tired. And then they took a break for a while and they came back with whatever the album is that has long distance Voyager and time no see. And they were just totally re-energized. Maybe it was Patrick Morass. Maybe it was whatever it was. It was like, I really went with trepidation in my heart because I was like, are they going to fool me twice? I love their music, but am I really going to give them this chance to disappoint me again? And then we were just all smiles. So it's very cool when you've seen a group multiple times and you get to compare between, we, we saw Kansas besides that wonderful opening. I remember they had some tough times in the 90s where they were off the charts, but they were still right. a touring band. And we saw them at Cream of Wheaton, one of those local 
state fair type things in Wheaton, Illinois, Cream of Wheaton, a very witty name. <laughs> and they're just like, it's okay. If they are playing out of 5,000 people instead of 50,000, but I'm here and they're still playing as if it matters. And so I loved discovering that there were certain bands that if you're worried about, some bands are like the revival where the whole band is dispersed, but somebody retains a name, the drummer, and he got a whole bunch of roadies <laughs> to play with him now. And then it's, I saw Steppenwolf where it was just a shadow of themselves. But there's others where they just, they're still cooking. They're still doing great. And wow, you get a chance to see them from up close instead of from back. In yeah. The One of the things I tried to instill in the kids when they were doing music and taking lessons and stuff, I'm like, it's not just learning the notes. It's not just playing everything. Sometimes it's okay to make a mistake if you're really putting your heart, soul, and energy into it. And there's no way you can learn that. There's no way you can teach it. it you either have it or you don't. You hear it or you don't. And we went to uh, the Streetsboro Family Days, and there was a band playing, and it was a song we liked and stuff, and we're sitting there listening, and the kids go, this is boring. I'm like, yes, but they're hitting all the right notes. Do you see it now? And exactly. I remember I went to a hair metal thing at Blossom back okay. in the 90s, and this was after hair metal died, and they were coming back. The one band- Right, Headbangers called, Ball no longer being done. I forget the name of the band, Call the Angels or Send Me the Angels, whatever, but that was like their only big hit. They were the opening group. And I was like, wow, these guys are awesome. Okay. He's running up and down there doing these. This sounds really good. Then Cinderella <laughs> came on and I never really listened to Cinderella. And I'm like, my gosh, this is some of the best bluesy rock I've heard in a long time. And became a big fan. I didn't like Cinderella until after Cinderella was dead. And oh, then Dawkins wow. came on and they were the big openers. They were the big name. And yeah. I'm like, this is a boring, they stood there just playing and uh, every yeah. song, album cut, move on to the next one. No, right. the contractual obligation show. It was horrible. Oh boy. oh boy. But the opening bands were great. They loved being there. They wanted to do it. And that's a big difference. Exactly. I'll tell you, there's so many stories. I went, we, Colleen and I went to see the Black Crows at the House of oh, They are so good or were so good. So that, that's the problem. They weren't that night. I don't oh, really? Know what it was. The brothers weren't getting along because they're another contentious, like Oasis. There's all like, like the kinks. Yeah. It was <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's funny. People handle fame differently and whatever else it might be. Living with someone for 30, 40 years ain't easy. And you're already <laughs> yeah. doing it when you're kids and you got all the kid issues. Having said that, I just was so happy. It's House of Blues. We're going to see yeah. this fantastic band in a small venue. And it was like, wow, this is going nowhere. They were just noodling around. It wasn't even good blues. It was uh, like that's sad. Four or five CGE. Oh, it was. I can't tell you how disappointed. And one of those things, like I probably will see them again if they ever tour because they've broken up and now the brothers are doing various different things. And yet, that was one of those big disappointments as compared to. I remember I, we've had the privilege of being able to like Scene Magazine in Cleveland. It's kind of like the Reader in Chicago. There's all kinds of great music coverage and especially you go and you read the little all the various different venues and sometimes you'll find out wow iron butterfly is still going and they're going to be at beginning they're still playing that one song they haven't gotten to the end of it yet. that's true exactly <laughs> that apparently the drum solo continues and yet i had there must have been like two different summers where i saw los lobos before they broke it big with and it's funny because it wasn't even really their song didn't Wee herman do the you know, right. tequila los lobos had Three great albums before the world decided that they were worthy of notice. But I loved when will how will the wolf survive anyway? And saw them like I don't know from me to the screen. We were like right on the edge of the stage at a, and they were so good. 
And it's one of those things where I tried to convince all my friends, just please trust me, this band is so good. And even though you might think that you're going to hear like Mexicali music, they're more than that. They're the best of what's going on in that way. And saw Iron Butterfly, saw Spirit. Like oh. when bands come, as long as it's still the distinctive vocalist, like the guess who, as long as it's Burton Cummings, they sound great. And we just so recently, unfortunately, but in the last six months or so, saw the guess who, where it was a different vocalist. And it's like, oh, they didn't even, they didn't talk about that in the advertising. I figured they wouldn't be allowed to use the guess who name. And it wasn't Randy Bachman either. And so it's one of the things that we've, we, I've always loved reading the liner notes and learning about who's in the bands. Because then that's also an early warning system for the Steppenwolf debacle, where it's, it's not even John Kay. It's not anybody who wrote the songs or really is the distinctive guitar or vocal. name. Yeah, and it just someone is has the name exactly. So uh, we still have good luck in that regard here. There's some things like Nectar came to the Beachland Ballroom at, at Nectar with a K. They're like a great German prog rock kind of space rock, and they were not only great. They had the full multimedia extravaganza where they had war patterns playing in the background and so much that I thought I'd never get a chance to see live because I'm pretty sure they're right. German, maybe Dutch but they don't leave Europe and how they were enticed to come here and put together a little tour and how that tour included Cleveland. I couldn't well, believe Cleveland they, has back in the day was a pretty powerful force. And I agree. that's the reason rush came to America. Originally it was okay. the working man. Lured, the lured over the lake there. Brought them yeah. over the area to here. Okay. Yeah. And we've had that experience with first snow. I went and saw it one year and I'm like, oh my gosh, this was as good as TSO. This was, it was just, it sounded good, looked good, energetic, wonderful. And then we said, come on, you got to come with us. And we went with you the next year and we got the intermission. We're looking at each other. This kind of sucks. Totally different. Same group. Yeah. Yeah. It, I don't know. That's I'm, we're not looking, we're also very aware. So I don't know how what's happened in your family, but both sides, both Colleen's and my family had people get COVID this year. Some oh, people wow. right after the Christmas gathering that we were at. And so uh, I guess we're fully boosterized and we just are lucky, hardy, whatever it might be, but we did not come down with it. But one guy really had to go to the hospital and stuff because it wow. was so in his lungs and all wrong. And on my brother's side, he had his son come up from Florida and he, Bruce thinks he got it from going to Walmart when... That wasn't the wise thing to do without a mask. And then there their holidays. We had this last year, that is the previous year to this last one, where we went down like a day after Christmas. And that's what we did between Christmas and New Year's was recuperate, hide. We're wanting to, the world is opening up. The world has declared that we're in the endemic instead of the pandemic. I know I've talked about this before, but we got to be careful because when we were at our James Bond concert, we stayed masked up. Even if it's people going to see the orchestra, there's just enough people that are that are certain they're right without doing the right thing. And that's I, that's just the state of our country is yeah. how what people we have that are just science resistant or uncaring about others. You know what I mean? There's a mentality. Or like you've said, it's this is my beliefs and I'm only going to believe that no matter what you tell me. They're this is what's right. Unreachable. Yeah. Exactly. And, but and it, now <laughs> soapbox time. It's not this isn't the first time this has been around. Think of all, how many people think they're a good driver that suck, that are continually not paying attention or continually hyper-aggressive and tailgating and cutting off and whatever. Think of every smoker in the world that for the last 50 years, 60 years, since we knew that smoking was bad for you and bad for others, people are just like, nope, I'm in service to my addiction and I can't stop. And so you get to share it. And 
it's really a shock now when it's all banned in restaurants and stuff like that. But we've been in places where, for whatever reason, they just decided to not enforce it that night. And we're like, I'm getting out of here. I can't be in this anymore. I've had cancer. I don't need cancer again. And it isn't only a venue where it's anonymous. It's that we have people that we know that can't stop smoking. Because if you're in that kind of thrall to an addiction, it just, it affects everything that you do. You know yeah. what I mean? You make concessions. You stop really caring about others because you've got to do what you're doing. And so there's whatever that mentality is that willing to be addicted or willing to not care about others, it's still all out there. And nowadays you can't even ask, hey, have you been vaccinated? Because they would tell you, yeah, I was vaccinated. They were vaccinated twice out of the five times they could have been. And so those variants that they, I guess if you don't believe in evolution, you don't believe in mutation either. And then you don't think that it's still out there and ravaging the world, despite a billion people in China now being in trouble because they, I just, oh, I, I just, Colleen and I have to be careful enough for all of us because people are not being careful truly. You know well, what I mean? FYI, and this reminds me, the last Tuesday in January, right before February, probably no episode because I'll be down in Florida at the yearly conference. But this is the first time we've had the conference in three years because of COVID. And we get people from other countries. And I know the management isn't wanting everybody to wear masks all the time because they feel it's impersonal. Blah, blah. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. I yeah, I have been for a whole month. I, I'm heading back to California on the 14th. I was really home for almost an entire month. And it is that being in the airport, being out in California where they got different cooties and people are not paying attention and I need to be the one that's careful. I wear my mask all the time. I sit not where the gate is, but away, but where I can hear announcements. Just because, you know, the more that you, and this is interesting, people, oh, I'm philosophical this year about what's going on with people's brains, because I just got a pretty cool book about how being reasonable doesn't matter. I have all my life thought that if you get enough facts and get enough analysis and you can come to a conclusion that everybody would just say, that's right. That's the best laundry detergent because Consumer Reports looked into that for you. And here's how it works on all these various different things. So why would you not buy that? Well, because my mom always bought the Oxidol, but it's not the best. And it's right. the really that whole, you can lead people to water, but can't a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And it has been a perpetual frustration. And it's just now that final realization of, I, I don't think you can. I think that most people really do make up their mind and then gather supporting data for what they already think. And that the right. way in which they make up their mind is so specious, so flimsy in some cases, that it's, I can't get frustrated by it anymore because it's breaking my heart. I just have to say that I guess because I use consumer reports, I have an edge up on everybody because my washer is going to last for 15 years, not five. And my car is better than yours. And my toothpaste is better. And maybe you luck out and get the same Crest Pro Health that I get. And yet it that thing that I thought I was doing, even this whole, I just did my talk about how to consume the best media. And yet I had someone in the audience that was willing to say that's subjective. And so maybe if you heard all the rest of the talk, you found out that there are ways to take subjective in multiple instances and combine them together into an overall opinion from multiple learned sources. And you can really get to it. Like that's what science is. It isn't just what you think and how much, how hard you're willing to witness for something. It's how do you get to where there's shared facts and a shared conclusion for all this? And the people who immediately deny that, 
but I guess there really is no reaching you. You don't use the scientific <laughs> method or the opinions of others as well as your own, or that there's no value to expertise. There's so many flaws in how they act and think and operate. And yet one of those flaws is the Dunning-Kruger effect. When you're incompetent, you don't realize how incompetent you are at judging those kinds of things. Right. So yeah. I just, I hate to think of, I'm going to write off some 50% of the world, but that's what the votes tell me is that how much of the world just doesn't try to make the world make sense and be consistent and correspond to known facts. So off soapbox, but I just, <laughs> here's hoping that there'll be enough people that are saying, I really would like to know what some of the good books are to read and good movies are to see and good TV shows to watch because I can't get through it all on my own. And I'd rather that, I don't know, at least hedge my bets. It's not that you then become a slavish devotee of Roger Ebert, but it's, wow, there's at least a way to hedge your bets on all these things. Right. And that itself is a way of thinking about it, that it's percentages. It's not yes or no, right or wrong. But if I'm going to watch 10 things, I'd seven or eight of 10 to be good instead of if it's just random, then what will random give you? Maybe five? You know what I mean? So speaking of <laughs> best movies and best and good, Avatar's out. And I take it you saw it. The first Avatar, it was like 10 years ago, right? What, right. didn't it come out? And yes. it kind of ushered in the new 3D. It, Very well done and immersive. Instead of being tacked on after filming where it, they do camera trickery, processing yes. trickery, make it that things come out of the screen at you. And, and it, what I liked about it, it wasn't so much I threw something and it bursts out at you. That was 3D. This was more depth. It gave you, look. everything looked like it was depth to the whole screen and not so much things popping out. And that, I liked that. A lot. Uh, That's exactly what I thought too, that if you're going to show flying or swimming or various different things where depth of fields really matters, it, they boy, he did it fantastically. Whatever the yeah. new cameras are that he's working with and however he stages his shots to capture that kind of stuff, the action is like that, that it's not two guys like sword fighting where it really is like a side scroller video game. Right. Instead, it's swooping around and being in each other. And the fact that some of the stuff, it wasn't, oh, a spear coming at you from the screen. It was, there's like a fire and there's little flinters in the air and they look like they're in your air. They look, they're in your space. How? It, it was like, that is. It you was using I mean? D maturely as opposed to just, oh, it's a gag. And I think the same thing, the thinking was, oh, 3D is a fad. We'll just throw these gags in. That's what will get people in. That's what they used to think of like superhero movies. Oh, it's a kid's superhero movie. Just right. do whatever with it. It's goofy. And then someone made a good one that was mature and people went, oh, that's right. pretty good. And Cameron did the same with 3D. It's, oh, that's really good. So it changed things. And that was what I liked about the original. I didn't think the story of the movie itself was anything super. It was okay. But yeah. it, without the 3D, it was kind of like, eh. So what's yeah, this new one? Would see it again is to see it like yeah i Pauline really didn't like it because the story was shallow it really was like what if you're going to go with a sequel you can't you shouldn't just retell the original story with a new two two percent change or something like that but that was so much what this one was it was once again the colonial resource abusers trying to take over a planet and the native the noble savages on the planet are fighting for their life their life their livelihood it's visual candy it is not great story and then, but good it's not terrible it just isn't the story isn't as good as the breakthrough technology that we just talked about so i i don't know what people have expectations of movies i don't mind going to a place where it's oh i've never seen that on screen before that can be enough for me will i yeah. see it 
kind of like the people that saw Titanic a hundred times. It's like it wasn't good enough story to be like five times, much less a hundred. And yet, not my taste is not everybody's. Cameron has done better movies. Aliens was really great. Terminator really great. He maybe because he's so into the technology now, he's immersed in it, distracted by it, and doesn't like. And if he's the one that's doing the screenplay instead of bringing up, bringing in better screenwriters and helping them punch it up and tell a better story, but he's an auteur. And like Rodriguez, Robert Rodriguez, that he's really great at making movies where he does everything. He does not only the filming and the editing, but he does the soundtrack and he does like the kids' costumes and everything for all I know. And yet, so it's really fun to see a particular vision, but it's also that while there really are, maybe you're not the best at everything, like when somebody like Eddie Murphy plays every role in a movie, like Jerry Lewis used to, like that kind of stuff. And it's, I guess it's an interesting thing when you see how people can be that mercurial to take on multiple different roles, like Alec Guinness has done. And we can start naming. There's uh, Peter Sellers did it. And so it's a stunt to see that you really can lose yourself in that many different roles and be convincing in all of them. But there's also something to be said for bring in your cronies that are really good at what they do too and make sure right. that the soundtrack really serves the movie and things like that. Anyway, I, can, I don't know, we're jumping around. John Carpenter has always done the movie music and his music is great. He's really accomplished at knowing what makes for good movie music. He's so, great in a different way from like John Williams. John Williams absolutely. puts this stuff that's huge and it it's such a part of the movie that without the music, the movie almost doesn't exist. Carpenter is simpler. He's not the big orchestra so much, but he has just what's needed to set the mood. And sometimes that's that's all you need. But I'm not going to go back and listen to the soundtrack for Halloween because it's some great tunes as opposed to Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah, what's funny is the people that are really good at that, the kind of the motif, the hook, it's like when you think of Halloween, you really do the like you can hear Psycho and other things that were such an arresting part of the movie. Anyway, it. I think that Colleen and I are going to get look, one of the things we look forward to as the new year blossoms is there's going to be like the Oscar nominations and we love going to see the Oscar shorts. You know what I mean? Where it's the documentaries and the animations and the short subjects. And that's just, it's a big part of the Oscars. There's incredible high quality, but they're not that well known. And so we like to be out there in support of that. We're looking forward to the Banff Mountain Film Festival, much oh. like we said about your conference. That used to be, it happens in Banff, but then they take it on the road. They gather the best of the festival and they do a two, two hour programs and we go see them all. Can't do that in an auditorium full of, please don't cough on me. <laughs> and so here's hoping that those things have been revived and that even if it has been, we will wear our masks and be careful and stuff like that. But I'm looking forward to that little bit of return to normalcy. We actually have a cruise coming up in, I think, September, October, where we're going to supposed to go to the Baltic and do a bunch of, and I'm just hoping so much that the world doesn't have a resurgence in a new variant, a new mutation of COVID, or that Ukraine hasn't blossomed into a full-scale war of all of, there's so many things that can go wrong. And as if my cruise doesn't matter as much as any of those big things, but it is our thing that we're looking forward to. And I'm so hoping that the world calms down and gets decent and rational instead of, nope, the crazies won. We're going to World War Three. <laughs> yeah, oh please, no. You know what I mean? I just, oh. <laughs> so we will, on, a, on that small scale, it's, we'll 
we're going to do all kinds of outdoor stuff, like I mentioned, some snowshoeing and stuff like that. But also everywhere that we want to go to a comedy club, there's people coming to comedy clubs and be careful. We will be continue to be careful because yeah. we want to do more. We want to, <laughs> like, like we've like said for the last two years. I don't want to <laughs> right. give it up. It, like we said exactly. for the last two years, it's it's going to be an interesting year. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's see what it we have on our list. Let's see what do we have on our list. Let's see. We got we covered New Year's. We got we have a ton. calendars, strategies. Oh yeah, I this I think we might have talked about this in previous incarnations. I love calendars, multiple calendars, because I like seeing new artwork on my walls every month. And they, I went out as usual, like post Christmas, maybe even post New Year's. I should have waited because some places were forty percent off instead of fifty. Those bastards. And what I got, all kinds of national parks and all kinds of fractals and all kinds of superheroes. I really, all of my quirky interests are represented by getting a calendar that represents each one of those. And so they're up on the walls now. I, I, sh I should turn off my backdrop so you can see that here's where I've got my Marvel superhero, and I got and I it. I won't go into it except it's. It seems like a small thing, like for seven bucks, if you get it for a $15 calendar for half off, you get 60 cents a month. You get cool new artwork. And I love my optical illusions. I love my national parks. I love my mandalas. It's just cool. I don't know anybody else that does it really. Most people get one calendar because they use it as a calendar, keeping track of their dates and appointments. But somehow that thing of I like variety. And this is a way, instead of buying a piece of art and putting it up, and that's what I get, I get a new Leonardo or Michelangelo every month. I get a new Dali. Are you talking the artist or the turtles? <laughs> yeah, I should do that. <laughs> but no, I, I, you go to the fine art section of the calendars. And I like Magritte. I like, in some cases, things that I really like. They don't put them out every year. So I'm like beset by, wow, I really was looking forward to having, I don't know, certain things that i like to see even if i've had them up before it's like being able to see that level of quality boy i'm once again sorry about this i really need to use the rest go yes but not it's my podcast well that was ridiculous one of the things about getting older is that just becomes an issue i'm a grown man and yet if you have a little bit of caffeine in the morning my body is very efficient in saying <laughs> that's a diuretic here we go yeah not only that though but diabetic also that happens that it's a sign of diabetes oh speaking of okay for christmas i mentioned my mother got me a pizza stone yeah. even though i've been trying to, to avoid lots of bread carb type stuff Carby like, things exactly so i ordered the carbolose flour and i had some wheat flour and i mixed it to try okay and it was king arthur wheat with some carbolose like you recommended i'm going to work on adjusting the amounts of each so it has a good consistency and texture but lower carbs and so i normally if i have ninos i order pizza delivery and i eat two pieces my blood sugar is 160 and up it could be 180 and it just depends on the day whatever so i ate the two i made homemade with the carbolose again i want to adjust it a bit but it was 144 and i was like oh it's better it so, really does help a little bit That's yeah but that was with more of the wheat flour than the carbolose. So I'm going to try and adjust it and see if I can get more carbolose. And if I'm in the 130s after I ate a couple pieces of pizza and stuff, I'll be fairly happy. But here's the weird thing. You want to know the crazy ass thing? I've been eating oatmeal every morning and I did it this morning and my blood sugar was 114. Okay, that's very acceptable. I'm good with that, right? Yeah, yeah. Last night, I still had some of my ice cream cake from my birthday last month. So I said, I'm, I don't care. I'm going to have a piece of that, but I'm going to check my sugar afterwards. 
you want to know what my blood sugar was after eating ice cream cake? How about terrible, like 300? Try like 105. Huh, Explain how does that it. Work? Yeah, I don't know. Because ice cream cake is mostly fat, not sugar. Maybe. It's that it's a high butter fat ice cream and stuff like that. Okay. But that's the thing. That's what I've told people. You got to check this stuff because yeah. in that regard, I could eat ice cream cake, but I better avoid mashed potatoes because they're horrible for me. So it's that's why you got to check because it could have been maybe because I ate a bigger salad for dinner. It didn't affect as much with the ice cream cake later or because I exercised earlier in the day. It's why you yeah, got to check yeah. this stuff to know, not because I'm worried or anxious and paranoid, but I want to know, hey, this ice cream cake didn't affect me. Next time I can have a bigger piece. But if I'm going mashed potatoes, I better just go easy uh, yeah, on it. Exactly. It's I for a while was I've never fucked fingers, but for a while I was wearing my Libra um, device, and that gave me a good. I have not worn this consistently because ninety percent of the time I was in my target ring. I had certain things that spiked me, and like you said, I learned that if I'm going to go out for sushi, all that rice will really affect me more than I would have ever expected. I thought I was eating mostly meat and things like that. But it's, I really should start the new year off in data gathering mode again and say, if you're in hibernation mode and you're eating more, I don't know, I, my breakfast, I've switched over to being very keto. I have like little omelets and little sandwiches that are like with turkey sausage and stuff like that. And I make all of our breads with carbolose flour for half of the bread flour and stuff. But there still have to be things. We just had leftovers from the family Christmas. And like some of them were potatoes, some of them were um, whatever I should examine each of those things in the same way. And I guess if I have, I make a platter so that it's most of the stuff is safe. If it goes up, it must be the potatoes. I hope that's the case instead of the few onion things on top of your green bean casserole. You know what I mean? Right. Did me in it. It'd be worth. I stopped doing it because I was satisfied with what I had learned, but I don't have all of my data in. I really should put it on. Like I should do it where, while I'm in California and say, if I'm doing more eating out, more fast food. Is there any safe fast food? You know what I mean? I gotta, I don't, I'm trying to be careful about that, but I know that it's gotta be worse than at home where I really control what I'm putting. And so that's the other thing people, and we've talked about this, we know this, but people think, oh, that's sugar-free. That's okay. I'll have that. No, that's not always the case. Hot chocolate is a great example. So if Swiss Miss hot chocolate, it's ridiculous. It's 40, 34, 40 or something carbs per cup of hot chocolate. And that's just like, woo. But the sugar-free isn't too much better. It's like 24. So it's like, you know, if the carbs is the main thing, not the sugar, like people should mm -hmm. know, then sugar-free, that's not a big difference. But Nestle hot cocoa is like 14 carbs per glass. They so they found a way to centrifuge the chocolate down to have the essence of chocolate, but not all the carbs. That's but it's, it tastes okay. way better than the sugar-free Swiss Miss. Sugar-free Swiss Miss tastes like ass, whereas Nestle hot chocolate at least tastes like hot chocolate. So that's the thing. You look at that stuff and people are like, oh, fat-free, it's healthier. Not necessarily. Sugar-free is not healthier. Gluten, you got to look at this stuff. We've prophesied this to everybody for the last two years. It's really looking at that because I got out the Nestle hot chocolate and somebody's like, that's got sugar. And I'm like, yeah, aren't you diabetic? I'm like, look at this. And I explained it to them and they didn't grasp it. I'm like, I'll check my blood sugar. I'll show you. This will not spike me like you think it will. It's those things you got to learn. Yeah. If anything, one of the reasons for getting back on the horse is a lot of people, myself included, it's the holidays. And so you got to right. give yourself a break. 
but now that you're back in the new year mode, it's time to relearn some good lessons and relearn what you should and shouldn't have in the house, have while you're at a restaurant, whatever else it might be. Yeah. 